Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Welcome to Million Bazillion. Where we help dollars make more sense. I'm Bridget. And I'm Ryan. And boy, have we got an exciting show for you. We are going to answer five questions sent in by listeners all in one normal length Million Bazillion episode. I am so excited. There are some clever questions that listeners observed when they were shopping, questions about types of money bills, questions about money words we use, really good ones. But wait, there's more because I've also invited our question askers to be here with us today. You did? When? What? And now you're probably wondering about this elaborate obstacle course I've set up behind me. Well, let me tell you. Welcome to our super fun game show, Million Bazillion Presents Money Mania. Five million bazillionaires will learn the answer to their money questions and compete in an amazing set of daring challenges. How long have you been working on this? Is that a slide? How long have you been collecting these boxes? And why? Look, we work really hard every episode to find out the answers to our listeners' questions. This time, we're going to show everyone that finding these answers isn't easy by making our question askers go through a grueling obstacle course. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So how is this all even going to work? It's simple, Bridget. Our contestants gathered over there will each share their question. You've already gotten their answers from the experts, which we'll share. And then we'll test the player's understanding of the answer by asking them to complete an exciting activity of my own devising. And the kids are okay with this? Like you got permission from their grown-ups and all that? What do you take me for? (laughs) Uh, Let's meet our contestants and get those answers. Right after this. And now it's time for Asking Random Kids Not-So-Random Questions. Today's question is, what would you do if money really did grow on trees? Mommy, that's a good question. I would probably pick money off of the trees. I would plant lots of trees in a park so everyone could get some money. I would climb on every money tree and pick all the money. I would just take all of it off and become rich. Buy a money tree. Beg my mom to like, get me some like money seeds and then I would grow a tree and then I would like, be rich. I'd maybe like get a sapling from one of the trees that produces money and see if it works if you plant it. It might take a long time to grow. I would search for rare trees for rare bells. I have a basket and I would pick the money off trees and I would carry it back home. Sometimes I feel that like trees have feelings and if it had money it would have wanted to ha- be appreciated not just because it had money oh. because of who it was because it was a tree. That was Paloma and Aaron from New York City, William from Pittstown, New Jersey, Rowena from Louisville, Kentucky, 
Ayla from Springfield, Ohio, Joel from Missouri, and Nora from St. Louis, Ava from Minneapolis, and Mickey and Joshua from Denver. This has been Asking Random Kids Not-So-Random Questions. All right, let's play the Million Bazillion Presents Money Mania Extreme Obstacle Course Challenge. After unveiling the answer to their questions, each player will have to compete in a challenge that demonstrates their understanding of the concept. Oh, and I have this super cool trophy we can use as a prize. Check it out, it's really shiny. That's the most magnificent trophy I've ever seen. I, Five feet tall, made of shining platinum and crystals? You're saying one of these million bazillionaires will win that? Yeah, they sure will. That trophy is simply mesmerizing. Uh, sorry, I just... Uh, okay, on with the game. Please welcome our first player, Nico, from West Lafayette, Indiana. Hi, I'm Nico, and I'm eight. Nico, tell us a fact about yourself. I always carry around a stuffed bunny named Owl. That's great! I hope he's here to help you today. Now, Nico, tell us about your question. I wanted to know what you can do with a $100 bill. Tell us, Nico, what inspired this question? Sometimes I see a sign taped up on inside of the door that says, No $100 bills allowed. Great observation, Nico. So there are a couple of ways to approach this question. Here's one answer from Ellen Feingold, the curator of the numismatic collection at the Smithsonian. That's the coin and paper money collection. And she's a million bazillion friend of the show. First of all, it's a treasure map to the beginning of our country, to that founding phase in our national history. So if you look at the front of it, you can see... Benjamin Franklin. And he was also one of the authors of our founding documents, Declaration of Independence and also the Constitution. And if you turn it over, you see Independence Hall in Philadelphia, which is where those founding documents were ratified. But if you don't want to learn your history or your or about our country today, and you want to do something totally different and creative with your $100 bill, you can turn it into art. Okay, so $100 bills is art, awesome. Ryan, can you tell Nico what his challenge is going to be? Nico, you will have one minute to make these 10 $100 bills into art. What kind of challenge is this? I'm setting the timer and go. Wow, Nico's decided to go with some elaborate animal origami. So Ryan, there's another part to Nico's question. Businesses don't always accept $100 bills. So Nico, I think, is wondering, why bother making them if we can't use them? That's right. I've seen the sign at cash registers before. No $100 bills accepted. It's a classic, right up there with a no shirt, no shoes, no service. So yes, some stores don't accept those bills. They might be worried the bill could be fake or counterfeit. $100 bills are one of the most often counterfeited bills out there. If the store did get tricked, they'd be out a lot of money. That's right, Bridget. And if a store is going to accept $100 bills, they also have to have enough cash on hand to make change. So true. But generally, $100 bills are actually the most widely circulated American bill. That means they're used most often. Mm-hmm. One place that's probably going to accept a $100 bill? Big chain grocery stores, because you're more likely to spend a lot of money there. Maybe even hundreds of dollars. And that's just for a jar of peanut butter. Inflation, am I right? Thanks, folks. Relevant. This show is current and relevant. I'm relevant. 
And looks like Nico's made some flying money butterflies. I was not expecting that. Okay, he's got two more to go. <gasps> and he's done. Nico's done it. Phew. I wasn't expecting it to be that difficult. Wow, this money zoo is one of the most exquisite things I've ever seen in my whole life. Uh, complete with an origami unicorn that reminds me of a dream I had. Weird. All right, judges, write down your score. Nico, I hope you learned that some people still really like $100 bills and they find them really useful, even if some of the stores around you apparently don't. Okay, Nico, your mini prize for successfully completing this round is a framed photo of everyone's second favorite Benjamin, Ben Affleck. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, let's get those 10 $100 bills back from you. 10? You only gave me eight. Really? I could have sworn I... What? Uh, 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 uh. Okay, well, uh, next contestant. All right, up next we have Zofia from Castle Rock, Colorado. My name is Zofia. I am nine years old. Zofia, tell us a fun fact about yourself. I am on a swim team and went to state competition. Wow, really? I'm a swimmer too. I still use floaties for safety though. Okay, now tell us your question, Zofia. When holiday stuff is out of season, what does the store do with it? What a great question, Zofia. I've always assumed they throw it in the garbage, but that can't be right. Uh, when did you start wondering this? I was in a store and saw one day that there was some items for Valentine's Day. Then the next day, they were all gone. Well, I like this question because Zofia noticed something about the world around her and she wanted to know more. So we called up Manini Medea for the answer. She's an adjunct professor of marketing at Columbia Business School and a managing director at Accenture. We should start with how they decide how much seasonal stock to buy. Stores try to forecast, which means estimating what consumers are going to want to buy. And if they get the number wrong, then they're going to try to get rid of that stock by putting it on sale. Another thing they could do, some stores may have the space in their back rooms to store items, and they can just pull those items out again the next year. They might donate it. Another thing they can do is they can sell that stock at a really, really low discount to what's called a liquidator. And a liquidator is a store like TJ Maxx or Marshalls. And then uh, the third and final thing that uh, companies might do with excess inventory is they could throw it away as garbage or use it for fuel and burn it. Whoa. Okay. Stores have some really good reasons to make their best guess possible on how much holiday stuff to buy. And who knew there were stores that existed just to sell stuff other stores couldn't? All right. Let's turn now to Zofia's challenge. Zofia, here's what you got to do. We have a massive pile of decorations from every holiday. We've got Valentine's Day, Grandparents' Day, Fourth of July. You get the idea. Your challenge is to put the correct decorations into the bin labeled for its holiday way on the other side of the field. And to get to the other side of the field, you'll have to swim through this lava. What? No, please tell me that's not real lava. <laughs> no, it's not real lava, Sophia. It's a tomato soup. Uh, what do you think of this challenge? It's kind of weird. But I know you can do it, and you have two minutes. Go! Yeah! Let's talk some more about the answer to Zofia's question. 
Stores spend a lot of time thinking about their merchandise, that stuff they're selling. Sometimes they're planning a year and a half ahead of time for a holiday. And she's made it across the lava pool, now to her sorting challenge. See all those clear plastic bins? I got them on sale. Clover leaves over here, and red and white and blue gel goes in the 4th of July pile, then menorahs for Hanukkah. She'll be busy for a while, but in the meantime, let's go back to how stores choose the holiday stuff they want to sell. This is big business. This is the business, if you will. These stores are using big data, but also a little something else, a little je ne sais quoi. It's an art form. If the store is wrong about the holiday demand, they're going to lose money. All sorted! Okay, great work, Sophia. I'm actually feeling more festive. Judges, now's your time to write down your score. And Zofia, your mini prize is a box of very old peeps. But the good news is I don't think they ever expire. Okay, to recap, Nico made a wonderful origami menagerie. Zofia is covered in tomato soup. And TJ Maxx has the hottest deals in the coolest 2019 fashion. We've got three more players to go. We're going to take a little water break. Hydration is important, kids. And we'll be back with more questions and answers. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Welcome back to the Million Bazillion Presents Money Mania. So far, Nico and Sophia have managed to power through our challenges to get the answers to their money questions. And we've learned that a $100 bill can still be kind of useful. And what happened to all those Valentine's Day decorations on February 15th? We still have three players waiting for their turn. Will they find the answers they seek? They totally will, because that's what this show is all about. What's that light catching my eye? Oh, sorry, it's the trophy. It's so sparkly, we have to keep moving it into the shade or it'll blind the players. Sorry about that. Oh, don't worry. It's just, uh, that trophy is amazing. <laughs> gleaming, shimmering icon of sweet victory. Oh, it's just a truly spectacular okay. trophy. Okay, let's get back to the game. Evelyn from Virginia Beach, come on up. Hi, I'm Evelyn. I'm nine. Evelyn, tell us something about yourself. I love math and I love eating ice cream. Wow, what a combo. I bet the math takes the sting off that ice cream, eh? Uh, and what's your question today? How do we know how much change to give back? How do we know how much change to give back? Interesting question. Kind of zen. What inspired this question? Because I was a Brazilian and I have those questions in math class. Okay, so we called up Pet Peas. She is a STEM teacher, that's science, technology, engineering, and math, at Wilson Middle School in San Diego. Her classroom runs their own in-school store. And here's what she had to say about that. Normally, you will receive change when you're purchasing something. Let's say you go and you buy a piece of candy, and it costs $2. And 
if you pay with a $5 bill, you will need to be given change back. It would be the difference between the amount that you paid versus the amount that you were supposed to pay. So some people will subtract. So they'll take the $5 and subtract $2, which will give you $3 back in change. And for others, they might want to count up instead. In that case, it'll come up to the same thing, which would be $3 when you count up from two. Okay, Evelyn, let's put that to the test. Here's what you got to do. We're going to buy this toy from you for $4.18 using a $20 bill. We've hidden some small change inside this ball pit. Can you dive in and find the exact correct amount of change to give back to us before the timer goes off? Yeah. You get to choose if you're going to subtract from $20 or count up from $4.18. Are you ready? I'm ready, Ryan. And go. Wow, it's like she was born for this challenge, Ryan. That one. Ryan? Oh, I can't take it anymore. I must have that trophy. <laughs> no, Ryan, this competition is for the kids. But I want to play. I know I got what it takes for the trophy. Evelyn's already so close. I don't know which method she used, but she figured out how much change to get really fast. Come on, Lincoln. I can still make this, guys. Look, I just found a $2 bill. That's novel. <sighs> well, I guess I better finish this next part on my own. Um... All right, so the people who take your money when you buy something at a store are called cashiers. Cashiers often use a cash register, it's a machine, to keep track of what's sold, and that's where they put the money you use to pay. If you do use paper money and coins, the register is actually going to tell the cashier how much change to give back to you. But it's still a good idea to like generally estimate how much change you think you should get back. That's just a good habit to get into in case anyone, you know, makes a mistake. Find the penny, pick it up. I got them all. I've got a $2 bill. Judges, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Come on out, Ryan. You can't win the trophy anyway. You're a host, not a player. Fine. <sighs> okay, uh, Evelyn, your mini prize for completing this round is the best thing you can buy with spare change. A single gumball from one of those machines that's always by the store exit, Okay. Let's continue the game. We've got a good one coming up. Next, meet Davey from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hi, I'm Davey. I'm six. Davey, uh, tell us a fun fact about yourself. The fun fact about me is I like eating pickles. Pickles? Well, yeah, they're the best. Okay, Davey, what's your question? Why do receipts have so many words? Such a great question. This sounds like it comes from personal experience. I bought a toy car at the store, and when I got my receipt, I was like, why doesn't this receipt just say what I got and how much it costed? That's an experience I think we've all had. These receipts are so long, and they've got way more stuff on there besides what you got and how much it cost. Lucky for you, we called an expert, actually someone who works for the very store where you bought your toy. Tina Potoff, the Senior Vice President of Communications at Hy-Vee. So, Davey, to answer your question about why a receipt has so many words, because it does contain a lot of information, not only for the consumer, but also for the store. At the very top of the receipt, you'll actually see not only the logo of the company, but also the location where the product was actually purchased. As you continue down the receipt, you'll actually see the items, which are abbreviated uh, to make sure that they all fit on one line. And then you'll see the price for each item. But then there's something right on the right-hand side called TF. And that actually stands for... Okay, so yes. 
guess the bottom line is there are a lot of words on a receipt, but it's all stuff that either the store is trying to keep track of or maybe you as the shopper is going to want to know, especially if you need to prove you bought something later or you want to return it. This is certainly this receipt. It can be long depending on how many purchases you've made at the store. But also if you don't want to have a hard copy receipt, your uh, parents can elect to have their receipts sent to them digitally. Okay, let's do this. Davey, here we have a pile of my paper receipts saved from throughout the year. Your challenge, match the receipt to the corresponding bag of stuff. And you'll need to complete this before that big buzzer goes off. I got this. Go! Wow, he's working fast on this one. Ryan, have you ever thought about why adults keep some receipts and then some they throw away? Well, I know I save all of my receipts in order to make totally legitimate tax deductions every year. Maybe this one here? So a receipt is proof you bought something, right? It's a good idea to look at it when you first buy something, just to make sure you were charged what you thought you'd be charged. If you need to return something you bought, you will probably need that receipt. But otherwise, it's okay to ditch that receipt. Almost there. Oh, my favorite type of receipts are those super long ones with all the coupons. That's how the store shows you they really love you. They're keeping track of your shopping and want to offer you coupons to see if they can get you to buy a little bit more. Those guys. Oh, but actually, I also talked to Greg Buer. He's a supervisor at the California Department of Fee Administration. He actually suggested a way to get you in the habit of looking at your receipts, especially if you're doing some traveling this spring or summer. A fun game that you can play is actually looking at the sales tax receipts. So at least in California, there's different tax rates in different cities and counties. So if you pay maybe, say, 7.25% in one city and you go to another city and say you pay 8.5%, you can compare those receipts and see the different tax rates and see which tax rates are administered in each of those cities. Great work, Davey. Fabulous job, Davey. Judges, write down your scores secretly. And for completing this challenge, you get the 2023 Consumer Guide to Sales Tax Rates. It's a super fun read. Okay, we've got one more contestant, Ryan. Uh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just admiring the trophy. I couldn't help but notice it's the exact right height for the trophy shelf I've been meaning to build. In my den. The trophies for the players, remember? Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Let's welcome Cecilia from Marietta, Georgia. Hi, I'm Cecilia, and I'm eight. The crowd loves you. Cecilia, what's a fun fact about you? My favorite colors are pink, purple, and red. I like pink and purple because it makes, it makes sense, and I like red because it, it's a color of a heart. Oh, I love that for you. All right. The big moment. What is your question? What is profit? That is a big one. So what made you start thinking about this question? I listened to your shows and I heard the word profit, but I don't know what it means. Oh, that's fair. Okay. And that's big pressure on us to get this one right, huh, Ryan? Okay, so we called up Ashley Eldemeyer. She's a professor of finance at the University of Tennessee. It's a great question, Cecilia. Here's what she had to say. So profit usually has to do with representing gains on something. So if you make a uh, investment or you put in a certain amount of usually money into something, the profit is what you get in excess of that initial investment. 
So it's what you put in plus a little something extra on top. For this challenge, Cecilia, you've got to try to toss as many of these basketballs into the hoop as you can. After the first five baskets, you'll start to score points. Try to score as many points as possible. This is kind of a metaphor for your answer. Profit is like the extra that you make on top of what you first put in. Now go make some profit. Are you ready? I think so. Go. Wow, look at the arm on Cecilia, the concentration. Now, when we put money into something, an investment or a business idea, we generally want to make more money from it because that's money we can't use for our everyday needs. But we should remember that profit isn't a guarantee and it might take a while to make money from an idea. Oh, she was so close to hitting that one. So close. Another thing to keep in mind is that sometimes we do invest in things that won't necessarily mean more money for us in the future. Sometimes what we're really trying to invest in is something bigger than money, like making the world a better, safer place. Yes! Would you look at that? She's made it to five baskets. From here on out, it's all profit, baby. She made it! All right, judges, mark down your scores for Cecilia. Cecilia, for completing this basketball challenge, you take home a b-ball jersey, sized for basketball's most diminutive powerhouse, Muggsy Bogues. I hope it fits you. And now it's time to reveal the winner of Million Bazillion Presents Money Mania. When we come back. Okay, we've tallied everyone's points and are ready to declare a winner. Shall I open the envelope? Okay, the winner of the first Million Bazillion Presents Money Mania is La La Land. Oh, that can't be right. Oh, wait, sorry, the answer was on the back. The real winner is all of us, because when you ask questions about the world around you, when you think about why things are the way they are, and we get to explore these questions together... We all win. Yes, that's 100% true, but also seriously, who's the real winner? Who gets the trophy? Everybody's a winner, okay? Everybody did a great job. So let's just split the trophy. Okay, fine. We'll cut the trophy into six pieces and everyone gets one piece. Wait, first of all, there are only five contestants. I know. I'm taking a piece for myself. I'd rather have a little bit of the trophy than never see it again. I call the shiny part. Wait, 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 wait. I think we can all agree to share the trophy. Okay. Every kid gets one day a week with the trophy, and I get the weekends. We'll talk about it, okay? All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this first and possibly only round of Million Bazillion Presents Money Mania. But as always, we really like answering your questions and we hope you keep sending them to us. You can do that through our website, marketplace.org slash million. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. We are going to rest up and be back next week to answer the question, 
Why do some people get paid more than others? Get that episode delivered straight to your inbox by signing up for our newsletter at our website, marketplace.org million. You can also send us your money questions while you're there. Special thanks to all those smart folks who gave us the answers to those questions and to all the parents and grownups who helped record our awesome kid question askers. You all rock. We had some additional voicing from Kimberly Adams and Drew Jostad. Thank you. Million Bazillion is brought to you by Marketplace from American Public Media. This episode was written and hosted by me, Ryan Perez. Bridget Bodner is the senior producer and co-host and is also the director of podcasts at Marketplace. Million Bazillion is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Jasmine Romero is our editor. Becca Weinman sound designed and mixed this episode with help from Chris Julin. Our theme music was created by Wonderly. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital at Marketplace. Neil Scarborough is the VP and general manager. Million Bazillion is funded in part by the Cy Sims Foundation, partnering with organizations and people working for a better and more just future since 1985. And special thanks to the Ranzetta Family Charitable Fund and NextGen Personal Finance for providing the startup funding for this podcast and continuing to support Marketplace in our work to make younger audiences smarter about the economy. If Million Bazillion is helping your family have important conversations about money, consider making a one-time donation today at marketplace.org slash givemillion. And thanks for your support. Ah, that was a lot of fun. Hey, what are you guys doing in that abandoned lot? Are you hosting an obstacle course game show? You can't be in there. Run!